Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, why does the name of every continent begin and end with the same letter? Hi, America. Hello, world. How many of you at home are now going Asia, Europe, Australasia? (laughs) Greg's going to say South America now, and I'm going to give you minus one. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am trying to start a show. Welcome to more questions than answers. The only paranormal continental news quiz anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snugger than that sounded like a death rattle, that last one. Someone go back and check on my mother, will you? Take a mirror with you. So snug under your covers. Turn out I'm already spending the inheritance. She's got gold teeth as well, by the way, so bear that in mind. Turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for bringing me my dead mother's teeth and for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. Stop looking at me! An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. And as you can see, we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) So without any further ado, I swear to God, we've not been drinking. So without any further ado, let us embrace this week's darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and Heather Vesson, Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather saw on TV this week that lions can make love over 50 times a day, which is why they're always sleeping, of course. Welcome to the show, Heather. (laughs) These statistics are 100% true, I tell you. I've researched them on the internet. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim discovered this week that Leonardo da Vinci actually invented scissors. That's true. Do you know that? 
Leonardo yeah. da Vinci. You never saw him running with them, of course. I think he invented them rather late in life because the pictures I've seen of him, he had really long beard and long hair. So I suspect he may have invented them late on in his life. <laughs> and we must give him a lot of credit, of course, because it made the game of stone and paper much more interesting. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Heather. Oh, that would be Kim. You inter- Oh, is it me? Oh, either of you. I'm pleased to have Hello. you all here. Hi, Kim. <laughs> Never run with scissors. <laughs> Finally on tonight's show, I wish to induce... induce. <laughs> oh, great. It's a boy, ladies and gentlemen. It's a boy. The calm and unflappable Greg Gore. What are the neighbours going to say, Greg, and whatever got into you? We shall see if he is still married to Kim after the show when she's found out he's pregnant. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He's also a sound engineer and producer. Greg read this week that only humans and dolphins have sex for pleasure. Greg has now been banned for life from SeaWorld in San Diego. <laughs> Series 2, episode 21. One statistic I must share with you. I read this um, today and I must share this with you. It says that if you yell for eight years and seven months, you would have produced enough energy to heat one cup of coffee. So you need to yell or shout continuously for eight years and seven months to heat one cup of coffee. I then read that if you fart continually for six years and nine months, enough gas is produced to create the energy of an atomic bomb. So my question to you is, how long do you have to fart to heat a cup of coffee? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You're conducting that experiment at home, aren't you? <laughs> I swear to God, in the last week, I've managed to have two really hot baths. <laughs> Episode... 21. 21's a fabulous number. Did you know the 21st Amendment repealed the 18th Amendment? And there's points going begging straight away if anyone can tell me what that means for you. The 21st Amendment appealed the 18th Amendment. Can drink legal? Fantastic. Greg's off to a flying start. He's scored one point. This was prohibition, of course. It means you can now drink alcohol. And I must, while you've jumped in there, Greg, you've reminded me that last week I did you a grave disservice because I had you in last place. And it turns out I'm number dyslexic. Who knew? There was a deluge of emails and at least three people wrote in to say you'd actually gain second place, Greg. So uh, you're off to a flying start and we shall see where you end up tonight. <laughs> 21 is the standard number of spots on a dice if all the numbers are added together, which I think is fabulous. 21 grams is the weight of your soul, according to research by Duncan McDougall. There's a nice Scottish name, isn't it? Duncan McDougall. You couldn't come from any other country, could you? So good news for all Weight Watchers that are currently on their deathbed. <laughs> he actually measured this was back in the 1910s and 1920s yes, he actually went into an old people's home and he mm -hmm. weighed people you know that had tuberculosis and various other illnesses on their deathbed bed on their death rattle and he measured them and weighed them and claimed they were 21 grams lighter after they'd died that's true now last week last weekend we was at a thing called the paracon and this was in long prairie and it was a huge event um on ufos it was the 50th anniversary of what they call the tin can UFO landing in Long Prairie, where a mothership hovered 
overhead in Long Prairie in the centre of Minnesota and a little ship came out and went down into the road and a guy stopped his car. In fact, the car got stopped for him by the UFO. Everything died and he got out of his car. Little tin can aliens came out and started running around. They looked like beer cans with arms and legs. And uh, this was a very important UFO sighting and contact. The men in black were involved and the military came down and everyone was interviewed and farmers saw the lights in the sky and everything else. But we did an event. I found myself on stage as a paranormal investigator, of course, uh, with Kevin Randall, who's the leading expert in the Roswell incident back in the day, a very famous author of UFO books, very numerous UFO books, and Jerome Clark, who wrote the UFO encyclopedias, among other things. So there's two UFOlogists on stage, and there's me. And I'm looking in the audience, and all I can see is... Heather and Kim laughing all the time. So everyone's very serious. You know, they're talking about UFO abductions and the like. And everyone, I'm looking around the audience. I'm up on stage wondering what I'm going to talk about because I spend all my days <laughs> in damp, dark basements with broken radios and flashlights. And there's two major UFOlogists of the 20th century sat there. And I'm thinking, wow, this is very bizarre. So uh, interestingly enough, though, I asked those two gentlemen, if there was a link between ghosts and UFOs. And they looked at me as if I was mental. And uh, they said, no, no, there's no such thing. You know, there, there, there's no link between ghosts and UFOs. And I said, but the interesting thing is, if you're in a basement and you see a light of energy go across, you call that an orb. But if you're outside and you look into the night sky and you see a ball of energy go past, that's a UFO. But they could be the same phenomena in effect. It's just the context in where you see them. And I also then said to them that if a UFO wants to be somewhere to travel vast distances and they inside the UFO, the aliens think they want to be somewhere. So they are. And they zigzag around in the night sky and travel vast distances thinking where they want to be. How is that any different from your bones rotting in the local cemetery but you in spirit wanting to be haunting a hotel or being in a house and then actually being there you're doing the same thing and i explained this to them and they looked at me again as if i was mental so i really didn't get anywhere the interesting thing was though that at that talk they said that there was no link between the paranormal in terms of ghosts with ufos because they wanted to focus solely on what they considered to be the nuts and bolts of ufology they wanted to study the vehicles they wanted to study the sources the landing sites and that's all very well and good, but they then went on to say 20 minutes later that the nuts and bolts of UFOlogy doesn't exist anymore. Most sightings are light, or energy, balls of light. You don't get the old-fashioned 1950s nuts and bolts flying saucers anymore. They just don't exist. They don't get seen in vast numbers. So on one hand, they're saying they only want to study the nuts and bolts. But on the other hand, the nuts and bolts don't exist anymore. And they're going to spend all their time retrospectively going over cases from the 1940s and the 1950s without anything progressing. So I found that very interesting. I'm not sure where I'm going with this and I'm lumbering around, but it's very interesting. Is there anything you want to add to that? Because you guys were with me in the audience when we did that whole weekend of UFOs and ghosts. Anything you want to add to that? Heather, you look like you're reaching to express an opinion in this area. Well, I would kind of go along that same train of thought where I thought it was rather bizarre that they were more focused on the ships and the landings than aliens. If somebody mentioned, what do you think about the aliens? They wanted nothing to do with the aliens. They don't care how they got here or who drove them. They just wanted to know what they came in. Uncle Dave drove me. He's going to pick me up at nine o'clock and I'm not allowed to drink. I I just thought that was completely bizarre. Abductions. They didn't want to hear anything about it. Don't care. You know, and and so I was a little 
put off by that. This isn't a slight by any means, but all the paranormal investigators I know and the experts in the field of ghosts and hauntings tend to be, and again, this is a generalisation, but they do tend to be more spiritual. Um, UFologists that I've met are very much more interested in science and data in my experience and never the twain shall meet to a certain degree. But I certainly think there's links between the two. I certainly wouldn't dismiss them. I mean, at the end of the day, we don't know because science hasn't proved what UFOs are. And you could say science hasn't proved what ghosts and hauntings are. But we know these things happen. People see them. We've got recorded data ourselves. So just in terms of the fact that we don't know what either is, how can you then come down on one side or the other and say this isn't true and that's not true? Because nothing's been proven. Do you see what I'm saying? At the moment, everything's up for grabs, isn't it, Mm -hmm. is where we are. Does anyone else want to add to that? Uh, I will. Off the subject of UFOs, but yet at that event, and I always enjoy learning something new, and one of the people that was attending the event taught me about hagstones. Okay. What would you like to share about hagstones? I I liked learning about it, and the story behind a hagstone is it's a stone with a natural hole in it, and he was wearing one around his neck, and I asked him about it, and so then he was telling me that it was a hagstone, and they're used for, uh, if you put them up to your eye, like a monocular, and uh, use it to view the world differently. And you can see into the fairy world is one of the theories behind it. And the other theory behind it is you can use it to hunt for uh, buried treasure. Wow. We need to go and get some. I believe you can do the same with lifesavers as well, actually. I have heard that. And corn plasters. <laughs> if anyone can get me a packet of corn plasters, we'll be going looking for fairy gold. There is something, I believe, I hope I get the name right, but in the Victorian period, there was something called a Stanhope, and it was a metallic ball, and you put film inside it, and you could look through the little ball, like you just said, looking through the hagstone, and you can see images put onto very small bits of film that you could then sort of look through. So if anyone wants to look that up, it was a fabulous Victorian invention. You'd hang it round your neck, and you'd put photographs of your loved ones in it, and you'd hold it up to the light, and there'd be a little viewing kind of spy hole, I guess, and you'd see pictures of your loved ones. So there are some fabulous things. We're going to run into the round that is Ghosts and Hauntings. Greg is currently in the lead on one point. No one else is yet to score, but the night is still (laughs) young. Australian company cancels serial killer ghost tours. A company criticised for conducting tours of New South Wales forest where serial killer Ivan Milat buried his victims has cancelled the tours. Goulburn Ghost Tours manager Louise Edwards confirmed on Tuesday night the company would no longer run the Balanglo Forest Ghost Tours. The government and victim support groups had condemned the tours. Goldburn Ghost Tours has been taking groups to Balanglo, which is 75 miles southwest of Sydney. The company initially defended the tours, saying they were run with respect and were not intended to upset anyone. Millat is serving consecutive life sentence for murdering seven backpackers, two Britons, three Germans and two Australians in the 1990s. He had buried their bodies in Balanglo, which was the site where a teenager related to Malat murdered a friend in 2012. Goulburn Ghost Tours website and Facebook page remained offline on Wednesday and a phone number for the company appeared to be disconnected. A cached version of the site advertising the Extreme Terror Tour said people would visit Malat's old stomping ground, calling it the most terrifying of locations. It said it would use paranormal techniques to solve murders. Miss Edwards told the project that in hindsight, more thought should have gone into marketing the tours. She said the company had received a lot of hate mail, but also many poignant and thoughtful emails about why the tours should be cancelled, which made us see the whole thing 
in a different light. It's amazing how numerous death threats can make you see things in a different light. Now, what's the difference? I come from East London and there is numerous Jack the Ripper tours late at night that go through all the sites where the ladies were butchered and murdered, all the way through the back streets and the cobbles and the gas lights of East London in Whitechapel. What is the difference? Is it is it a length of time? Was it this I'd say length of time. So when is the right length of time then? Because this was the nineteen ninety fifty. So this was nineteen ninety. So maybe in another twenty five years time that would be then acceptable, would it? I would assume so. You see what I'm saying? I, I don't agree. I think they should have cancelled this, and it's ridiculous that this guy is still serving a prison sentence. These backpackers, seven of them, I believe, were murdered and uh, left in the woods. He was a serial killer, and uh, to then do a ghost tour of that area is is in- incredible. I can't believe they even came up with that idea, yes. and no one stepped forward and said, hang on a second, this is inappropriate. But then you can understand why I would then bring up something like the Jack the Ripper tours just see what i mean i'm just trying to find out years after jack the ripper did those tours start though you have to wait long enough for the people who are hurt so horribly by it that the uh, relatives yeah that's true enough of course they took place in the 1880s and uh you know a considerable amount of time has now passed but there are no longer doing ghost tours of the woods i'm assuming they're trying to make contact with the people that got killed if they're taking ghost boxes and doing evp sweeps of the people that got killed so you know if you're making money from that it's one thing looking at cold cases as a psychic and working with local police departments which i know does happen a lot of my friends that are top psychics do work with police departments all over america and the police won't admit to it because it looks bad on the part of the police that they've got no clues they don't know what they're doing so they've gone to the psychic but they are solving cases through psychic means um but that's just 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 ridiculous i find that hard to to stomach to be honest but i shall give my points i'll give myself two points for being informative (laughs) heather what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings did f1 tourist capture grim reaper looming over friend in his holiday snap would you tell your friend? Or it might, you know, you've got to use a... He didn't find out until later, but the picture was there. Oh. <laughs> Craig Nugent, 26, said Daniel Dowling snapped him on a coach from Abu Dhabi, where they insist that they were traveling alone. The phantom appears to be in a hooded cloak with a skeletal face like the Grim Reaper. It's Skeletor. Yes. By the power of Skull. It kind of looked like that, actually. I always thought He-Man looked like a load of walnuts stuffed into a condom, but I, you know, <laughs> that's just me. There's no. They had He-Man over there. They did indeed. Yes, it was very homoerotic. Did you not think, or was that just me? Mm-hmm. I yeah. didn't watch it. Oh, apparently so. it was just me. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm the only person in the room that thought He-Man was homoerotic, so I'm just going to go off and uh, talk, to my, talk to my psychologist. <laughs> it's repressed. I'm telling you. <laughs> The only thing missing from this picture was the Reaper's scythe, which, of course, could have been in its left hand, obscured by the curtain. The warehouse worker from Birmingham had spent a long day, and he was at the Yaw Marina Stadium and subsequently fell asleep on the way back. Mm. He says that no one else was near them, only Daniel, who has taken the picture, and even he was sat down. He said, I thought it was a bit of a joke at first. I didn't see it until we arrived back in the U.K., and my cousin sent me the picture. I couldn't believe it. I still can't quite believe it because it really looks like a figure of someone. I just thought, what the hell is that? It can't be Daniel in the picture because he was sitting opposite me on the seats, which is why you can only see the camera flash. 
the coach wasn't full at all. There were only a few people on it, to be fair. And I don't remember anyone holding a scythe with a skeletal hand and a hood over them. It was a dark cloak. It was like a black cloak with a skeletal face. I did see the picture. Wouldn't you recognise, wouldn't you think to yourself as you walked onto that coach, aye, aye, I'm not going to sit at the back. There's a man over there with a hood on and a skeletal (laughs) face. He's giving me the eye. Yeah, he's pointing at me. (laughs) Say, come here. Yeah, perhaps I won't have the fish vindaloo after all tonight, eh? (laughs) I'm going to turn him for an early night. You shall gain no points for not doing proper research on Abu Dhabi stadiums. You are currently on zero. (laughs) Kim, what have you got for me in the round of ghosts and hauntings? Scary clown poster cleared for outdoor display by advertising watchdog. The campaign for the film Poltergeist has been cleared for outdoor display after members of the public with a fear of clowns complained that they found it distressing. Have you seen this photograph? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's a really creepy grim looking clown it looks like the worst in horror film clowns is what it looks like it was i don't like clowns to begin with no this is not good news a number of people who suffer from colrophobia and extreme or irrational fear of clowns of cauliflower among the the 72 complainants who said that seeing the ads image of a scruffy malvolent looking clown doll on posters or the sight of buses caused them or their children distress i used to suffer from florets I used to go around and not be able to control myself and shout out things like broccoli and cauliflower. (laughs) (laughs) The ads featured an image of the head of the clown with the tagline, they know what scares you, poltergeist. I'm no expert, but I don't recall the original poltergeist film having a clown in it. It did. It did, did it? Really? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. I just remember the television, and I remember the swimming pool with all the skeletons in it because they'd built the... <laughs> yeah, the clown was <laughs> under the bed. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. And it actually reached out and grabbed his ankle and... Do you know, the last around. time I reckon I saw that film last in about 1986, 87, I'm thinking. It came out so, in 82. There you go. So the, by the time it had come out on video, you know, we're watching things like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Driller Killer and you're 12 years old and your mother's going, what are you watching in there? It's okay, Mum. We're watching Caligula. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> I heard that they were going to make a remake of The Birds. They, why don't they leave stuff like that alone? It's ridiculous. I did. Well, they made a remake, of course, of Psycho. You, you've got the most amazing film that's changed the genre of filmmaking. In terms of the music, the camera angles, the lighting, the direction, the narration, the character development. And then, you know, it's a classic. And then someone thinks, I'll know, I'll make a remake. Let's do a remake of Gone with the Wind. What could possibly go wrong? Did you see, it's like doing a remake of Bohemian Rhapsody. Did you see the Muppets version of that, by the way? No. If anyone good. gets the chance, go on YouTube, type in Muppets and bohemian rhapsody and what i want you to think about and look at in lots of detail is do you know the bit where it suddenly takes off into the kind of rock part after the uh operatic section you know where everyone's suddenly mm-hmm. you know nodding their head and playing air guitar when the muppets really go for it and really freak out a puppeteer always does this someone actually throws one across the back so while you're watching all the muppets dancing and playing the instruments and freaking out Keep I've an eye. Watched it. Keep an eye on the Muppet that gets thrown. There's always one out of shot. Someone throws a Muppet and it just goes across the back. <laughs> it's a joy, I tell you. Speaking of remakes, are they not doing a new Muppet show? They are. They are making a new yeah. Muppet show. This Yay. is true. It's time to put on makeup. <laughs> That's not going anywhere else. I just thought I'd mention that. I'll give you a minute. <laughs> a minute. <laughs> 
Wow. It took me longer than that. Just shave. <laughs> One more story now for ghosts and hauntings. More murders in actual fact. It says Mark Bridger claims murdered schoolgirl ghost is haunting his prison cell. Mark Bridger told another prisoner he is tortured by visions of a five-year-old appearing in his jail cell late at night. The claims are included in court papers obtained by the Daily Mirror. They were never made public during Bridges' trial. In a prosecution witness statement, Bridges' fellow inmates said he told me he thinks he's being visited by a ghost at night. He believes the ghost of that to be April Jones, who is brought to him by another male ghost. When he told me about the ghost, Bridger was visibly upset. Former abattoir worker Bridger, 48, kidnapped April in Powys, Wales, before murdering her and dumping her body in October 2012. He was jailed for life in May 2013 and will die behind bars. Bridger claimed he accidentally ran April over and cannot remember what happened afterwards as he was drunk the killer's fellow inmate said the same story as he told the court in prison in manchester would that be guilt that the girl you murdered is then appearing in your prison cell late at night yes just saying it'd be terrible wouldn't it? appearing at the end of your bed but then he's done terrible things so he deserves everything that comes to him that is the round of Ghosts and Hauntings. Greg is on one, I am on two, Heather is on zero, and Kim is also on two. We go running into the cornfield now with a laser pen in one hand, with a K2 meter in the other. We're looking up at the skies and we're confusing UFOs with the International Space Station. We run into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology, and as we have discussed previously, there is no link between UFOs and cryptozoology. <laughs> I beg to differ because I remember watching an episode of the $6,000 man in the 1970s and I remember a Bigfoot coming out of a UFO. You're looking at me as if you've never seen (laughs) the $6 million man. I think he was played by Andre the Giant, wasn't he? Go and look it up. It's all there for you. What have you got, Heather, in the round of cryptozoology and UFOs? I have got a creepy black figure that appears in the sky over El Paso, Texas. So a a ghost in the sky? Well, maybe. Much speculation as to what this is. So far, actually includes a swallow or a bird. So it looks like a creepy figure, does it? The Mothman. Or some have said it might be Satan. Wow. It's actually really big. It actually looks like a swallow's tail, but it's about the size of a house. Can you put this on our Facebook site? We have got a Facebook, so if people are interested, they can go to More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook. And all of tonight's stories will be there for you in glorious Technicolor, where you can look at all the video footage and all the photographs that accompany tonight's stories. So here is the actual witness report. It wasn't some big event that I observed, more like an accidental picture of something really strange. I was snapping pictures of the beautiful colors and textures created in the clouds by the sun setting. I take three pictures at a time for a quality check. I didn't really notice what I caught until 20 minutes later when I showed my wife what great pictures I took. Uh, Then we came across the picture I'm talking about, and we were baffled as to what it could be. I took two similar pictures before, and the object was not there in the sky at all. So he's taken several photographs. Yeah. But it's only come out in one of them. That's correct. Okay, that's good practice for a paranormal investigator to take more than one photograph at any time. So you've got something else. You've got a control, haven't you, to compare stuff to? Sure. There were no birds around because there aren't any trees on this side of town. And there isn't much bird activity. 
So I thought, why not go ahead and upload my picture to MUFON? Maybe they have an answer to what this strange appearance in the sky could be. It's actually MUFON case number 68439. Say that again slowly because... It's going to be listed as MUFON case yeah. 68439. Isn't that the phone number to the White House? Uh, no, and it's uh, not Jenny's number either. Okay, I thought we'd get that cleared up. I see what you did there. <laughs> The poor person who had that phone number must have been really unhappy about... What, what's the phone number? I, this is an American song. Uh, I had no idea. 8675309. Pennsylvania sick. No, okay. What? The gal who has that number actually appeared on Oprah, I think it was, and I stopped what I was doing for the day long enough to listen to her being interviewed about it. And she actually enjoys having that number. She has fun with it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, I think I'd rather not be disturbed. So you've seen this photograph. What does it look like? I just told you. It was like a sparrow's tail, but it was about the size of a house. It's coming down out of a set of clouds. It's a giant sparrow's tail. Yeah. Okay. So this is a sparrow on steroids then. Yep, a black sparrow. I like the idea that a sparrow on steroids is now going to go and sort out all the eagles that make the sparrow's life a misery. Like (laughs) Death Wish. It's Charles Bronson of the sparrow Mad Max of the air. There you go. That works indeed. We're now on UFOs. Professor Stephen Hawkins backs a venture to listen for aliens. Professor Stephen Hawkins has launched a new effort to answer the question of whether there is life anywhere else in space. The venture is said to be the biggest yet in support of the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. The 10-year effort will listen for broadcast signals from a million of the stars closest to Earth. The $100 million initiative was launched by the Breakthrough Initiatives Group at the Royal Society in London. Speaking at the launch, Professor Hawkins said somewhere in the cosmos, perhaps, intelligent life may be watching these lights of ours, aware of what they mean. Or do our lights wander a lifeless cosmos, unseen beacons announcing that we're here on one rock? The universe discovered its existence. Either way, there is no big question. It's time to commit to find the answer to search for life beyond Earth. We are alive. We are intelligent. We must know. Those behind the initiative claim it to be the biggest scientific search ever undertaken for signs of intelligent life beyond Earth. They plan to cover ten more times the sky than previous programs and scan five times more the radio spectrum, a hundred times faster. It will involve access to two of the world's most powerful telescopes, the Green Bank Telescope in West Virginia and the Parkes Telescope in New South Wales, Australia. Among those involved in the search is Lord Martin Rees, the Astronomer Royale. The search for extraterrestrial life is the most exciting in 21st century science. The breakthrough initiatives aim to put it on the same level as other ultimate scientific questions, he said. Yuri Milner a high-tech U.S.-based billionaire and founder of the initiative, said technology had developed to a point where it was possible to put listening for signs of extraterrestrial intelligence on a proper scientific footing. He said current technology gives us a real chance to answer one of humanity's biggest questions. Are we alone? Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Bizarre fanged blackfish among strange new species discovered in volcano on the ocean floor. Oh. This bizarre fanged blackfish is among the weird new species discovered in a volcano off the coast of Australia. Scientists with the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization took the snap on a research voyage. 
Apart from the scaleless blackfish, experts discovered an eel-like... You going to help me with these pronunciations? It depends what it is. Idiacanthidae. That'll do. And the Chalia done today. With huge Charlie, front Charlie's done today, is he? <laughs> <laughs> no more Charlie for us. Professor Lane Southers, a marine biologist and chief scientist on the voyage, said the discovery after our alters the way researchers study younger fish. We had thought fish only developed in coastal estuaries and that once larvae were swept out to the sea, that the, that was the end of them, he said. But in fact, these eddies are nursery grounds for commercial fisheries along the east coast of Australia. Four extinct volcanoes on the ocean floor were also found during the research trip. This is remarkable. I have seen this fish, and if people wish to look at it as well, you can go to our Facebook site. More questions questions and answers with Adrian Lee. It does. It looks like a black piranha. It looks like a leech with a piranha's teeth. Which is obviously a great combination. Everyone wants a leech with a piranha's teeth. What are you doing there? You're doing the universal hand movements for a piranha biting, are you? Well, I just remember your sound effect of the little uh, Sharknado. <laughs> That's what I wanted. There was. Listen again, listen. There was. God, my teeth nearly fell out. There was a film called Piranha. Do you remember that? Yes. yes. And that was the sound effect. When they had their feet in the water, I, I kid you not, and you can go on YouTube and look at this. In the cheap B-movie Piranha back in the day, the sounds of the Piranha used to go... <laughs> as you're losing your toes. I have been many times to London Zoo, and they have an aquarium there. And if you walk along at the back of the aquarium, and it's in semi-darkness, of course, and London Zoo goes back 150 years, so everything's fabulously designed and all very Victorian-looking. And they have a tank just with piranhas sat in it. And if you look, it says at 2 o'clock, the the piranha get fed. So at some point, they're going to dangle a lamb's carcass into that tank, and everyone can gather around. They're sat there motionless. I didn't think... I thought fish had to move to generate oxygen through their gills. All these piranha are static. They're just sat there hovering in the water. They're not moving around, just looking at you. And in the feeding frenzy, they've got bits missing. It's like seeing some gangsters. They've got scars like Blofeld from James Bond. One's got an eye missing. Another one's got a scar going past its fin. You know, there's got bits missing. One of them's missing a towel. They look like a right bunch of bruisers, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) I swear to you, if they were hanging around on a street corner, they'd have your wallet. Do you see what I'm saying? I just thought that was amusing. So if you go to London Zoo, two o'clock, you can see the piranhas eating a lamb's carcass, if that's what you're interested in. I have a story here that says Charlie Sheen tried to catch Loch Ness Monster with a leg of lamb, says Nessie Hunter, who says it's a catfish. How can you call yourself an expert? on the Loch Ness Monster and not be able to tell the difference between a leg of lamb and a catfish. For 24 years, Steve Felton has trained his binoculars on the dark waters of Loch Ness, looking for the most infamous monster in history. He's been visited by the rich and famous and even took Billy Connolly and his A-list mates on a tour of the loch. And Steve has told how Charlie Sheen came to visit Loch Ness two years ago with a leg of lamb and a large hook, hoping to catch Nessie. As a seven-year-old boy on the Highland holiday, the story of Nessie captured Steve's imagination and he became a lifelong obsession for him. He was so determined to see her for himself that he quit his job, ditched his girlfriend and left his Dorset home for a caravan overlooking the lock. 
After 10 years in a mobile home, he was allowed to set up in the car park of the Doors Inn and is now such a local fixture, he has his own postcode and council tax bills. He supports himself by making models of Nessie to sell to the tourists. People arrive from all over the world to ask me questions or to tell me about sightings, he says. Last week, six people came running over because they'd seen two humps in the water. Obviously, Kim Kardashian (laughs) doing the backstroke. I told them, I see that I see those every day at 4.10pm because it's actually the wake of a boat. I let them down gently but filter the fake sightings out. He also has had his fair share of celebrity visitors. Robbie Williams and his mates were also asking me questions. The Chinese state circus dropped in for a photo shoot and Billy Connolly arrived with a guide and half a dozen of his A-lift chums for the day. Sadly, I didn't meet Charlie Sheen. He came up here two years ago with a leg of lamb and a large hook, hoping to catch Nessie. The unpredictable is never far away. But after more than two decades trailing in Nessie's wake, a vigil that won him a Guinness World Record, Steve has now reached a startling conclusion. It's not a plesiosaur or a water dragon. No, I have to be honest, I don't think Nessie is a prehistoric monster, he says. Steve 52 said that over the years I've considered all the theories and my best guess is that it's a giant catfish. In Victorian times, a species of Wells catfish was introduced into Britain for sport. They were very long-lived and can grow up to 13 foot and weigh up to 62 stones. They are massive blubbery fish that eat other catfish and their curved backs fit the description of many sightings, which began in the 1930s, just as the fish would have reached maturity. Sticking his neck out about Nessie's true identity has made waves on the banks of Loch Ness. The region's 25 million pound tourist industry relies on some 850,000 monster hunters flocking to Loch Ness every year. Now some locals fear that his fishy claim will kill the Nessie mystery and cut visitors numbers while others are affronted that their own dramatic sightings over the years can be dismissed as just a big fish. I went to Loch Ness as a small child And I asked my mother if I could actually go and swim in the lock. And she said, no, because there's monsters in there that will eat you. And uh, I said, yes, but dad's in there swimming. And she said, that's different, son. He's insured. (laughs) And that is a true story, I tell you. Heather, you have one more story for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. I do. I have a Michigan man who photographs an alien. He's photographed an alien. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, He's from White Cloud, Michigan. A man in Michigan released two photographs that contain what he calls an interdimensional being. The anonymous man says he had previously spotted a light beam and decided to follow it to a creek nearby. When he arrived there, he claims he encountered the alleged creature, so he grabbed his camera and snapped a couple of pictures. And what does this look like? It looks like a tree stump, but don't know. It looks like a tree stump. Uh, Is this a dangerous tree stump or a benign tree stump? uh, He said, I did not see the craft. He said on the report submitted to MUFON uh, last Thursday, but I got a picture of an interdimensional being. The two photographs show a creek surrounded by pine trees and green ferns with a big-headed being with two almond-shaped black eyes sitting on a log. It is a log. With an owl on its head. (laughs) Yeah. It has short legs that were hanging and slightly dipping into the clear water. It's still a log. 
Um, he's standing on a log. <laughs> it's a log. <laughs> Can you not count the rings and tell how old it is? Probably. Um, he explains by adding that he had later found a small flattened area where he thinks the craft had possibly landed. The Michigan man, this is my favorite, uh, claims that he has had contact with these entities before, says the scene he came upon at the creek was reminiscent of a biblical baptism. Wow. He's made. <laughs> How does he know what a biblical baptism looks like? Was know. he there? I, know. It's a I dislike the way people just jump to conclusions. Okay, you've seen something strange in the woods. You've got a photograph of it. Yeah. Heather thinks it's a log. It is How a log. does that then become an interdimensional being? Do you see what I mean? I posted on Facebook today that just because your faucet's going on and off and the light switches are being turned on and off and doors are slamming does not make it by default a demonic entity. That's just a grumpy old man. I don't understand how you can go from the experience, which is the light going on and off, or seeing the shadow in the woods, to then saying, oh, that'll be one of those interdimensional beings that you read so much everywhere. <laughs> how, does, how do you make that jump? How does that take place? I, I find know. wholly remarkable. <laughs> Be sure to stay tuned as we explore further the week's news of the paranormal and strange after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, tree logs, Bigfoot, crop circles and ghosts. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and how of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website at LAPIG.org. For people who believe that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours on end waiting for a log to appear is perfectly normal. <laughs> if you believe that your business or product would benefit from being mentioned live on air across the nation and the globe to a large target audience of morbidly fascinated and strangely interested listeners, I would love to hear from you. And I just want to let you know, by the way, that the biggest number of listeners for last week's show was in Denmark and Switzerland. I find this remarkable. I don't know why we're so popular in Denmark and Switzerland, but I love your bacon and I love your cheese. We have branched off to India, if that helps. We have branched off to India. India you love is, their curry. Love their curry. <laughs> this is very true. They're a very spiritual nation, of course, and I have lived in India, and uh, they are a nation that believes 100% in ghosts and hauntings. So that's fabulous. To our listeners in India... I wish to wish you a happy weekend. In the lyrics of the words of the reggae legend, that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know. Which means I'm probably less intelligent than when I show started, because I can't read. I'm your host, Adrian <laughs> Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania for the annoying inability to lose all their reading skills live on air. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you have just joined us, then where have you been? And what could have been more important? And if you get a chance, listen to the first 10 minutes of the show again on SoundCloud at MQTA Radio, where we are archived. Let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. A hurrah and a happy dance all around the bedroom. Remember, you can contact the show at any time via our Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Rule of tonight's stories and much, much more can be found in glorious detail and technicolor for your perusal, including all the photographs and videos that accompany tonight's show. 
You can also write to me and send me stories at mqta at rocketmail.com. And my Twitter account is Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. And we currently have 58,000 followers on there. So thank you to all the people that keep in contact with me and follow my tweets. I've now been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has thankfully stopped snoring from the room next door. Luckily, she isn't dead because we did actually check on her. We run into the round. It is strange and bizarre. These are the stories from around the world, the stories that didn't fit into any other category, but are far too good not to read out live on air greg is currently on one point and we are tied in the lead for four i have four heather has four kim has four and everything is to play for as we go into the round to play for <laughs> to play for what's wrong with that everything is to play for and we all have the score of four to play for oh i see what you've done you've made a joke <laughs> she gets another point for that i'm in charge of points how dare you touch my points sir <laughs> Heather, what have you got for me in the round of the strange and the bizarre? San Francisco techies are hiring this Wiccan witch to protect their computers from viruses and offices from evil spirits. Are you excited? Yes, nothing could be more exciting than a story about computers and witches. There. Many people have had their computer or smartphone possessed by an evil demon. Or at least that's what it can feel like when some mysterious bug keeps causing an app to crash or your phone keeps shutting off for no reason. It's all the dodgy websites you keep visiting. This is where we are. I just wonder, because I look for all these strange and bizarre stories and I'm hitting very strange and bizarre websites, whether Uh the FBI are trailing me at the moment because I look up stories for UFOs and Roswell and all kinds of strange. And and that's what I told the judge. And I'm sticking to that story. (laughs) But if you truly think your electronics have been invaded by an evil spirit, there's someone who will take your call. And her name is Reverend Joey Talley. This is Reverend because they bought a certificate from the Life Church for $30. You don't even have to buy one. You can just print one off. Oh, fair enough. I've I've wasted my money. (laughs) A Wiccan witch from the San Francisco Bay Area who claims to solve supernatural issues for techies. How exciting. Most people want me, me to protect their computers from viruses and hacks, she told SF Weekly. So I'll make charms for them. I like to use Flora. And when there are problems in office hardware, Tally turns to Jet, a black stone that uh, serves to block energy. Jet's uh, petrified wood almost, isn't it? You find it on the beaches of the north coast mm-hmm. of Britain. It's all, it's very light. You think it's going to be heavier. Right. And it's very light. It probably floats in water, I would suggest. <laughs> Unlike a witch. <laughs> in extreme cases, she casts protection spells of her own over the entire company. Now... Tally's website says that she welcomes issues too unusual or dangerous to take the straight world of Western helpers. But she also says um, she has no problem that is too big or small, even perhaps if your printer is malfunctioning. However, before you jump on the phone, you should be aware that Tally's services do not come cheap. And this is the real kicker. Here we go. She charges $200 an hour. Wow. For a phone call. Antivirus software is cheaper than that by some considerable margin. Yes. I'm just saying. I'm going to go in a natural progression from witches and computers to suspicious coconuts found in a canal. Oh. Police officers called... (laughs) 
you think I got away with it? No. Police officers called to a suspicious package found floating in a canal were baffled, baffled to discover a quilt stuffed <laughs> full of coconuts. Officers in Manchester were responding to a call from a walker who thought he had pulled a bag of animal bones from the Bridgewater Canal. He noticed a suspicious-looking package floating in the water at about 4pm on Sunday and took it upon himself to haul it onto dry land. He told police it thought it might be dead animals because it had a strong odour and was leaking white fluid. Anything this week, Greg, in terms of a strong odour and leaking white fluid? No. It was then later discovered the bundle was in fact a quilt filled with coconuts, which has been tightly wrapped and held into the water. Who in earth... I just, I'm going to carry on. It is not known where the unusual package came from or why someone chose to dispose of the fruit in such a bizarre way. This is like genocide. Who suddenly sits there? Okay, you're watching the television. It's Sunday night. You're bored. You've nothing to do. It's raining outside. I know I'm going to stuff a quilt full of coconuts and lob it in the canal. Where does, how does that, where's your synaptic links? Where is that taking place? Do you see what I'm saying? I don't get it. It's like the first person who sat there and thought, oh, it's an oyster. That looks good. I'll eat it. I don't understand. Unless he's drowning coconuts. Unless coconuts have done terrible things to this man. And he thinks, I know, I'm going to drown them. And he puts them in a quilt. I didn't drown any coconuts, although it is my worst i hate coconut I'm, i just <laughs> the smell of coconut makes me gag i must have been killed by a coconut <laughs> in a previous life by something falling out of a tree and banging me on the head i can't I, stand I the taste told... the smell the texture it's abhorrent you told i would me rather have my intestines drawn out in front of my own eyes than have to eat a coconut and it's always <laughs> been with me from the first day i saw a coconut i was abhorrent to the thing almond joy it has no redeeming features any way whatsoever you Bounds? will not get me eating a coconut i'm sorry you don't even like the little candy terrible oh, while we're on the subject and we have a chemist in the room what's the difference between dehydration and desiccation hmm. okay we'll move on my sister once told me that onions are the only food that can make you cry so i hit her violently over the head with a coconut <laughs> she was wrong i was sent to bed without any dinner kim what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre rare flower to bloom for the first time in 10 years but be warned it stinks of rotting flesh well that's what you want from a plant in your house and on your patio isn't it (laughs) yeah (laughs) wow thousands of people are expected to flock to see an exotic flower bloom for the first time in a decade despite its smelling of rotting flesh Around 10,000 people visited Cambridge University Botanic Garden in 2004 when another of the corpse flowers last bloomed. I've been there. I have been to the Botanic Gardens in Cambridge. You park up outside, you pay to get in. It has a fabulous collection of water lilies and Venus flytraps. I know it very, very well. I would recommend it. If you're in Cambridge, go to the Botanical Gardens. It would be my advice. You're looking at me as if this isn't a great place to be hanging out, but I tell you, that's where it's happening in Cambridge, is in the Botanical Gardens. Uh, the flower, Titan Arum, will open on Wednesday or Thursday and is at its stinkiest at night, so the garden will be staying open until 10 p.m. Wow. That's a hedonistic <laughs> night for botanists, isn't it? We're going to stay out till 10. Oh, my God. What was the name of the plant in Latin again? Titus Tit- what? Titan Arum. Titan Arum. <laughs> there are jokes to be had there, but we will get taken off air, unfortunately. 
Uh, the flower produces the appalling scent to attract its pollinator, the carrion beetle, from vast distances away. So it's it's basically throwing into the air the scent of a rotting corpse. In order Whoa, to get was this it, is your voice changing? <laughs> wow! <laughs> My voice broke live on air. Who knew? My balls have dropped. This is terrible. I've been waiting. I'm halfway through. I'm halfway through my sentence, <clears throat> and suddenly it turns up like this. That's how it happened for me. I was 13 years old. My dad said to me, he shouted out from the kitchen, "Adrian, would you like a cup of tea?" I shouted back with my mum and my sister there, "Yes, dad. <clears throat> I'd love a cup of tea." And that's when it happened. I can pinpoint the exact moment. So it was either that or I'm being possessed. I actually think I've swallowed a carrion beetle. That's the problem. And if you swallow a large beetle, ladies and gentlemen, it will hurt twice. I just had one more thing to add to Kim's story. Perhaps Kim would like to elaborate on this beautiful bit of foliage that you got this year. (laughs) Well, when I ordered it, I just did it for fun because the title was Voodoo Bob. Well, a voodoo bulb. A voodoo bulb. But come to find out, it's the exact same thing as a corpse flower, yes. So she, we have one. You have idea. one. The trouble is they only blossom every sort of 10 years. Ten years. So we're right. going to have to wait a long time. I think without any shadow of a doubt, there's no possibility we will be friends in 10 years' time. So we're just not going to get a chance to smell it. I'm sorry. Money wasted is all I can say. We're going to go to Romania there. It says pay with blood at Transylvania Music Festival. Taking inspiration from the world's most famous vampire a romanian music festival is offering free or discounted tickets to people who give blood the untold festival takes place in transylvania at the end of july an organizer hoping that they pay with blood campaign will encourage more donors to come forward playing on the region's association with count dracula posters for the campaign show a vampire hooked up to a blood bag given that romania faces an acute blood shortage in medical facilities a campaign that takes inspiration from these myths in order to draw attention to a real problem is more than welcome says the festival director bogdan Buta. festival goers who sign up to become blood donors online will receive discounts and those who show up in person at centers in budapest will be given one day tickets on the spot the campaign is being run in conjunction with romania's national blood transfusion institute Romania has one of the lowest figures of blood donations in the whole of Europe. Less than 2% of the population are active donors, far lower than elsewhere in Eastern Europe. Isn't it ironic that the country that gives you Dracula and vampires has the lowest number of blood donors in the whole of Europe? It's That's amazing. why. That's why. I didn't know that when you donate blood, it actually has to be your own blood. I didn't know that. I had to try and bring Justin Bieber back around with a glass of water. Our final round, of course, is called Not For Your Mother. This is the round that we couldn't do live on air. This is the round that's archived on SoundCloud. So if you're listening to this at the moment, well done for finding us on SoundCloud. These are the DVD extras, the extra 20 minutes of the show. The things we couldn't read out for fear of being fined large sums of money or even being removed from the air these are the stories from around the week laden with innuendo laden with sexual tension these are the stories you would not want your mother to listen to if you have small miners in the room you're probably living in a mine i would remove them it's snow white and the seven dwarfs (laughs) heather what have you got for me tonight in the round of not for your mother it's like christmas in july isn't it 
Not really, no. There's no snow. Well, I hear no sleigh bells. I'm going to help you with your Christmas gifts. Early. Okay, I've got my eyes shut. I'm there. I can see it. I am going to introduce you to a new product called Bloxers. Bloxers? Yes. Is that like a Chinaman trying to say boxers? No. Okay. They are boxers that hide your erection in public. <laughs> Why would you want to do that? What's the point of that? <laughs> Why? (laughs) Everything's ahead of you, sir. Nathan obviously has a lot of issues here because he's suddenly woken up and he's taking notes. I'm going to need to wear two pairs. This is great. I can think of a few things more embarrassing for a man than getting an erection in public with no real way to conceal it. Worse if it was at a funeral. Oh, God. Luckily, with bloxers. Bloxers. Oh, I see. It's a compound noun between blocking and boxers. Yeah, that doesn't have to be a problem anymore. Oh, man. From the outside, bloxers look just like regular regular boxers. Regular. Regular boxers. There's photographs on there, isn't there? This is why you're traveling. Traveling? (laughs) That's why you're you're having traveling reading them. (laughs) I'm traveling reading. That's right. Um, but with the ability to block an erection from the public view. Yay! The makers of this revolutionary new product. It's Gossard Wonder Pants. They are, push it all up and outwards. But, you know, this is for my investors that we have in the room. They're currently raising money through crowdfunding raising. on a site called Indiegogo. So please go there and give them some money wonga what's the point it's like having a bra that makes your chest smaller they claim to be all about happy men sexually emotionally and medically i don't know what that has to do with no blocking erection can't be good medically no you've just got to let it go well the makers are hoping to raise twenty thousand dollars through crowdfunding Uh, with 23 uh, days gone uh, you said raised Give me some nachos. I'm going to kick your ass, beavers. About $700 so far. They've raised seven. So this product doesn't exist. It's a concept. Hold on, hold on. Yes, but they're they're getting there. If they do manage to raise the required amount, they'll release what they are calling the basics uh, she collection. Said, she said release. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, it's going to be in three sizes. Small, Small medium, medium, and, and liar. Hurrah. Yeah. <laughs> With three alternatives. So you get some options here. You have the righties, the lefties. And, and the eggplant. The switch hitters. Oh, the switch hitters. Yes. <laughs> There will also be three choices of color, which are gray, white, and black. So, ta-da! Um, if they're able to raise 50000 uh, She said raise. <laughs> they'll release the fancy She said release again. <laughs> collection with five new patterns. Yippee. Um, at $100,000, they'll bring out the new swimsuit collection, you know, for the pool. Just stick a potato down the front and see if it works. And introduce customization options as well. I'm not quite sure what that's about. Uh, with $200,000 in their pocket, they want to open Bloxers HQ, complete with a reception candy. I don't know what that has to do with Complete anything. with reception candy. Yes. That's the woman the that runs reception. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. We can't put that out. We'll be taken off air. I can't say that's the receptionist and then you come in afterwards and says, that's the one you suck on. Jeez. We can't say that. My dad said that drinking Guinness was tasting like sucking on a penny and I spent an hour looking for Penny. I didn't know who she was. <laughs> 
Uh, they've also <laughs> declared that 25% of all their profits will go to prostate cancer research. Well, yay them. That's the biggest killer of men. One in three men will have it. Uh, their promotional video is really quite hilarious. And yes, they do have one. So you guys yes. have to go out and Heather's watched it. it 16 times. Uh, <laughs> they actually name Leonardo da Vinci as an inspiration for the marvelous product. Is that why Mona Lisa was slightly smiling? Because Leonardo da Vinci was sat there painting her with a huge erection. Is this we finally uncovered? Mona Lisa had an erection? <laughs> yes, transgender was Mona. <laughs> Didn't Mark, Mark Elisa. Mark Elisa. Wow, she had to have a shave before he painted it. <laughs> Got her eyebrows too. Wasn't that a kink song back in the day? Mona. I met her in a club down in old Soho. And no, she, no. I, I okay, just me one. then. I don't. Wow. So this is just a concept. I don't understand. A concept for some men who have issues. Issues. I, I don't understand what the issue is. I thought most men would be proud to walk down Main Street with everything ahead of them. I'm just saying. <laughs> Nobody needs a, to be popping a tent as they go. No. Okay. No. So if anyone wants to fund that site. They can go and visit. <laughs> I just think it's a bunch of students with no money trying to make a quick buck. But who? They actually go into how they make them. It's regular boxers, and then they put a little sling baggie on the side that sticks to your leg. That's a colostomy. Yeah, it's, just get a big band aid, guys. Can't they do something with a battery pack? That every time it twitches, it's like zzz, ah! it's like shock treatment therapy. Every time Why you know, do you have a twinkle in your eye when you say that. Every time, well, I, I normally have to. I normally have to pay. Have you noticed the electricity bill? <laughs> Every time we're in the studio, the lights are dimming and someone's drinking the juice in Mountain Lake. I just think if you had a slight twitch, you'd zzz, uh, and that would just stop everything, wouldn't it? What, gaffer tape. Zzz, uh, just gaffer saying. Tape. Just gaffer, gaffer tape. Gaffer tape? That would be difficult pulling that off, wouldn't it? Wow. I have a story in here that's itching to get out. Florida man arrested for having sex with an alligator. People have had sex with pit bulls, donkeys, and even parrots. But this incident is on another level. Hang on. Where, when, how? I missed that episode of America's Funniest Videos, didn't I? I'm just saying. It says it opens up by saying, (laughs) apparently I've missed. It says people have always had sex with pit bulls, donkeys, and parrots. Where? Where is this taking place? I've never seen this. Rupert Darwin, 59, kept a 12-foot alligator tied and blindfolded for the last month. Why blindfolded? It's not like he was going to identify him. <laughs> 50, 50 shades of grey. He had a dungeon built. Apparently, the alligator was consenting, but in the photographs, it had a black rectangle over its eyes. Oh, God. This is a sexual assault. He, he assaulted these, these, uh, this reptile multiple times a day, apparently. Darwin is a relatively unknown fisherman who lives in the outskirts of the remote I town of 400. Residents say he sticks to himself. <laughs> well, it depends if he washes, I guess. Oh, God. And he's described as odd. Well, I guess it depends whether the alligator was male or female, doesn't it? Police responded after a man out on a nature hike happened to walk past Darwin's house and saw Darwin having sex with the alligator in his backyard. Wow. Have you ever had sex in the backyard? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) The witness. That should have been one for Greg. (laughs) This is the bit that makes me laugh. No. The witness heard Darwin say... Next time you try and kill a man, you best get the job done. 
Now you're my biatch forever. <laughs> so the alligator was obviously um, doing some role play there as well. Oh, Collier County Sheriff's responded and arrested Darwin on multiple counts of animal cruelty and one count of illegally keeping a wild animal. Wild? It was livid, apparently. Excerpts from Darwin's police statement. Are you ready? The gator tried to eat me, and this was revenge, pure and simple. I have no sexual attraction to alligators, but I wanted to teach her a lesson. I could have just killed her, but that would have been too easy. She was getting what she deserved. I wonder if he dressed her up in his dead mother's clothing. Darwin claimed the alligator had gotten a hold of his pant leg when he was fishing in a swamp and tried to drag him into the water. Darwin was able to escape without injury but then set his resolve to try and get revenge. The alligator is being treated for relatively minor injuries and is expected to be released. That's not good. (laughs) (laughs) Madam, can I give you relatively minor injuries? (laughs) He's expected to be put back into the wild within the next couple of weeks. She has so far refused to comment other than that it was all too sudden. She's a very old fashioned kind of reptile. Wow. This is the 20 Shades of Grey book in 20 years' time when they've run out of ideas, I tell you. I have a couple of things on that. Okay. There's questions, is there? He was probably attracted to her because she had a nice smile. I see what you've done yeah, there. You yeah, you like that yeah, one. Okay. Um, another... You've been working on these for three minutes, haven't you? Yes. Okay. Uh, the next thing is, I was thinking automatically, uh, he's crocodile hunter. That's terrible, right? And does he get aroused when a fancy bag passes him in the store? Crocodile bag? Yeah. Yes, yeah. he can't go through a department store without soiling some shoes, no doubt. <laughs> Kim, <laughs> that was very salacious without soiling, soiling some shoes. shoes. Soiled, such a great word. Soiled. I soiled myself. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to back that up, but I just thought I'd say it. Kim, what have you got in the round for me of soiled underwear, alligators, and repressed? I have a question for you. It's about repressed erections. <laughs> why are dildos suddenly everywhere in Portland? And why am I not there? Yes. Whereabouts is your mother at the moment? <laughs> Throwing dildos over the power lines has become a thing in Portland. Authorities in charge of supplying electricity in Portland say that hundreds of dildos hanging from power lines pose absolutely no danger to the public. I like the way they say that, but there's no explanation provided as to why all the power lines in Portland have sex toys hanging from them. I don't know. Hundreds of dildos hanging from power lines. Why? Who put them there? And where will, where will they turn up next? And why? That's what we were all asking. <laughs> I have an not. address. We've got your back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Heather's packing her bag. She's off. <laughs> um, because we might, we know this might be your first time. And yes, it's a handful. As the dozens of rubber dicks dotted the skies over Portland. Can pick- we say the word rubber live on air? keep in mind i am reading this story of course so if anyone's listening that wants to uh, what words are being used okay uh pictures of the pandemic of plastic penises perched on power pole lines popped up online good for you good job fantastic you should get points (laughs) points (laughs) you see what i've done there (laughs) wow the sex toys turned up in pairs, reported Reuters. White and bright orange, large in size, strung together in pairs. When you said they were in pairs, <laughs> I imagined a giant fruit. That was all. 
In other words, not how they are generally found in the wild. Wow. I thought things only came in pairs on Noah's Ark. (laughs) (laughs) The Oregonian, which headlined its coverage as sex toys found hanging from Portland power lines. Yes, really. Found a spokesperson from Pacific Power with a micro penis sized sense of humor. (laughs) <laughs> the temptation may be for, may be there for tittering, but we want to keep the lines as tittering. safe as possible. How did they get there? Did they fall out of an aeroplane? I don't know. Could you be walking down that? Can you imagine you're all at the wake? Everyone's crying and sobbing and got tissues and the body's laid out. And he, <laughs> Edward Smith was a very generous man. He, up until his last moments, when a dildo fell from the sky and hit him on the cranium. I just remarkable. I just ways to die, isn't it? Ways to go. Evidently, nobody's calling the city to complain about it, but they're getting calls from the newspaper wanting interviews. That's all they've had for. Yeah, How are you going to interview them? They're up in the air. Yes, I don't think it's inanimate objects as well. You can't talk to one. <laughs> it's raining so, men, just like a guy. Hallelujah! <laughs> wow. <laughs> Nathan's clapping. You're, Nathan, you're a man. I am. Yeah, I know. Can I just mention, because we completely missed this, that the man who was making love to the alligator was, in fact, from Florida. Yay! Yay! And his name was Darwin. It was. You noticed that. I, I did. thought that was kind of amusing. I have one point on Kim's story before we move on. Yes. Do you have any idea how expensive those damn things are to be just tossing them up on a line? Nathan. Yes. Yes, he knows how expensive they are. I have no idea. <laughs> They're expensive. They're uh, like 50, 60, 100 bucks a piece. Really? Mm. Does that come with a car battery or what are we looking at here? Batteries are extra. Wow. How Who knew? How, how do you know this? Research. Research. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're putting in the time and effort. <laughs> what have you got for me in a round of not for Can you understand why this is called not for your mother? Jeez. This, this is what my mum wanted for me when I went through university 20 years ago. You know that. This has to be one of the funnier stories I've read in a while. You tell us it and we'll tell you whether it's funny or not. I know it's funny. Okay. Married FIFO worker busted using escort services in the worst possible way. Have What's you heard the best about this? way? What's the best way to use escort services? Anyway, but this way okay. is the best way. And I'll tell you why. A Perth man has made the shocking discovery. His wife of eight years has been secretly working as a high-class escort after he inadvertently booked her services through an online Ooh. agency. <laughs> that would be... That's an, that's an awkward moment, isn't it, in a, in a hotel room? Oh, Kim, um, come in. Close the door. <laughs> wow. <laughs> On Saturday, July 11th, Mr. Anderson and several of his workmates had their flight to Port Hedland canceled, prompting them to check into a nearby hotel accommodation for the night. I guess I could have driven the 45 minutes home, but seeing work was paying for the rooms for the night, I thought I'd just get on the beer with the guys. And get a hooker. Well, as far as the missus was concerned, I was gone for another 14-day swing, so I figured I needn't bother telling her. This is great. (laughs) Mr. Anderson said he and three colleagues spent several hours drinking the lobby bar before there was a general agreement to book escorts through an online website. Escargo, yeah. We'll get some snails in. That'll be great. Uh, These sites do a great job of smudging out the identities of the girls. So, 
He said, but looking back, I guess there's some resemblance to the missus. He must have a type. <laughs> but uh, I never in a million years believed she would walk through the door. This is great. Mr. Mm. Anderson described the discovery of his wife's secret occupation as a horrible shock. What's worse, the fact that he's getting an escort or the fact that your wife's a hooker? Who, when, when that moment, I, when she walks through the door of, of the Hotel Super 8 and you see each other, who should be the more guilty? Who should be the I, worst? No, no, it gets into that. <laughs> it, it does. There's no at points fir- to be won, is there? At first, when I saw her, I thought, holy crap, I'm busted. Then I noticed she was quite literally dressed like a hooker. <laughs> um, after a short domestic in the hallway. Uh, she, I'm not paying. <laughs> she ended up staying the night and we even ordered in room service. <laughs> we might make a night of it. Uh, Mr. Anderson is seeking legal advice. Nathan. What's your last name, by the way, Kim? Gore. Uh, Mr. Anderson is seeking legal advice on recovering money paid to the escort and agency (laughs) on the basis that he has firsthand knowledge that they falsely advertised his wife's escort profile. He knows for a fact she can't do those things because she had a hip replacement. Oh, it it gets into that too. Uh, I do still have mixed feelings about the whole thing, but one thing I'm sure of is I want a bloody refund. Oh. I thought to myself, why on earth is she hooking? Lord knows we don't need the money. I guess she just gets lonely when I get sent away. Mr. Anderson has stated that he is seeking legal advice for recovering the prior $1,600 in payment made to the escort service for a two-hour girlfriend experience package on the basis of false advertising. I always imagined a girlfriend experience would be like she's moaning that you've got to pick your underwear off the floor and she's moaning you're cutting your toenails in the bathroom. Well, this is what You he... never let my mother come over. This is the girlfriend experience, isn't it? <laughs> when are you going to this... do something about your hair? You're not going to go out wearing that shirt. I'm paying for the girlfriend experience. <laughs> Uh, He said, I made a booking in good faith for a 28-year-old lingerie model. Now, I know for a fact that she isn't 28. I had to buy her tickets to a Katie Noonan concert for her 30th. Who's Katie Noonan? I have no idea. Is she a stripper? I don't know. Okay, we'll look that up. Which was at least five years ago. I'll never forget that experience. I'm also calling bullcrap on the six to eight dress size and any mention of her being interested in cooking and the outdoors. False advertising. Yes. Mr. Anderson said, as shocking as the incident was, he was in some regards grateful for making the discovery. I guess I can be thankful she didn't knock on the hotel room next door. Oh, because these three mates were in there. That's right. That could if have been she'd been booked by my shift supervisor, Bruce, <laughs> I couldn't live with the shame. That bloke might be a great diesel fitter. <laughs> Is that an acronym? No, I don't know. He's a diesel fitter. Stay away from him. But he's n- a notorious grub and a total pig with no respect for women. Do you think you should be saying those things if you're the boss? If that's your boss, you wouldn't want to be saying those things on the media, would you? Because I bet he's got but no he job. Did. He's got no job to go to now, no. is he? That's did outrageous. you hear on the news this week, too? I'm going to add to that. Um, somebody's hacked into one of the credit card sites, and yeah. they're holding the, the... Ashley Madison. Yes. Yes, I think that's only... I, I could be wrong, but I think it just applies to clients in Ireland. I think. It's Irish. But they're holding, basically, they're holding them hostage, mm-hmm. saying you either out yourself or we sure, will for you. Sure, 
And and they want the Ashley Madison site closed down. Well, they they in under those circumstances, I'm sure there's every possibility they could then sue the Ashley Madison service for having corrupt software that then allows them to be blackmailed. Perhaps I would think that's probably the way to go. Very strange and very bizarre. I have a story to finish the show tonight that says drunk yob poked his penis through a letterbox, startling a young mother and her daughter in a random impulsive act. <laughs> A drunken yob has left a young mum and her daughter terrified by sticking his manhood through the letterbox. Narrowly avoided jail sentence this week. So just by the skin of his teeth. Paisley Sheriff's Court heard that Meritz Volchik had a pub and was in a drunken state. He ended up in a flat in the town's well street. Although 45-year-old Volchik didn't know the people who lived there, he began to kick the front door. A woman who was inside with her child and her niece became so alarmed that she decided to call the police. When her boyfriend arrived, he made his way past Wojcik and into the flat and used his weight to barricade the door, amid fears the bare-chested thug would be able to get inside. Moments later, the woman and her daughter, who can't be named for legal reasons, saw Wojcik shove his penis through the letterbox. In court, he admitted behaving in a threatening or abusive manner, likely to cause fear and alarm to others by repeatedly kicking the door of the flat, shouting at the occupants and placing his penis through the letterbox. Defence agent David Nicholson said his client had been so drunk at the time he had no recollection of the events. He added he accepted that from the outset... This must have been a very extremely distressing incident for those inside, and he is deeply ashamed of his conduct and apologises. At least he wasn't in this country because it would have been the mailbox, and then he could have put the flag up afterwards. I once shocked my grandmother by pushing a cucumber through the letterbox and shouting, Quick, quick, the aliens are coming. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all good things come to an end, so let us look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter with a dead battery, it is Greg, who stormed into a lead very early with one point and stayed there. I'm currently in third place with four, and Heather and Kim are tied in sixth place. In fact, in first place, but with six. I told you I was <laughs> number dyslexic. Place. You're in sixth place. <laughs> Out of four people. <laughs> you know you've done bad in America. <laughs> How well did you do last night? I came sixth. Well, that's quite reasonable. There was only four people taking part. <laughs> I will give you a tie-break question oh, to no. break parity. Can you tell me what my blood group is? A. Paul. Nathan. E. B. Nathan got it right. Nathan wins. Tonight's $33,000 IR Cameron snatches defeat from the jaws of victory. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal. Strange, intriguing, bizarre, and just plain weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. You can also join and follow my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore 
tips and remember we archive all of our shows and we have another 20 to 25 minutes left to go that we couldn't possibly read out live on air in a round called not for your mother so if you wish to get another 20 to 25 minutes of stories that are slightly inappropriate and laden with innuendo that we couldn't read out you can visit soundcloud and type in mqta radio and you will find all of our shows archived on there my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Jaton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, and all at the International Paranormal Society, Int, paranormal.net, and all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. Remember, you have been listening to the only weekly paranormal news quiz show anywhere on the planet, live on Dark Matter Radio, every Friday. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night.